This is the How to Become a Career Coach podcast, the largest podcast for up-and-coming career coaches in the world, and is dedicated to helping people that are in the early stages of becoming a career coach. I'm your host, Philip Mianko, and in this show, we bring practical advice based on real experiences, and we share actual stories of people that are current career coaches. So, let's get started. Today, it's a great day because we have Jenna Viviano on the podcast, and Jenna is just amazing. She's one of these people who, coming off the podcast and ever recording, I was energized all day. And in fact, we got her just a few days before she was heading off to her sabbatical and heading off to her very own wedding. So congratulations there. But also in this episode with Jenna, we go behind the scenes and really learn how she has built her six-figure coaching business. But more so than that, we get really into the deep of it and really understanding her bold strategies, her bold tactics. And I just love that word bold, but get to hear all of her boldness in really becoming a coach, but more so being the CEO of her own coaching business. So you hear the mindsets, you'll hear a lot of, of the things that she did and felt at that time and how she's built that from day one all the way to, all the way to today. So Jenna, again, is an amazing, amazing person providing lots of great insight. And you're going to hear exactly her story and her, her story in building that coaching business. All right. Enjoy this episode with the wonderful Jenna Viviano. I always say that I'm an ex-Wall Streeter turned career coach. So I started my career out on Wall Street. I was in investment banking and I realized quite quickly that life was super not for me. And so over the series over about five years, I had about four different jobs at three different companies. So I pivoted a lot in my career and eventually I decided to own, start my own business, my own career coaching um, firm. And uh, what I specialize now is mid to senior level female professionals looking to make a career change and helping them with that pivot and using a personal branded approach to it. Mm. You mentioned before, and, you, and we'll definitely link up the podcast episode for all of our listeners, but you mentioned in there about doing quarter turns, yes. and especially how that quarter turn from what you're doing then to doing now, it makes a ton of sense. But when I heard that, that you worked on the New York Stock Exchange, the first mm -hmm. thing that came to my mind was, oh my gosh, one of my heroes, Marie Forleo, who if I ever got the chance to meet her, or if you're listening to this podcast, yeah. um, <laughs> I would just burst into tears. But it just reminded me of that. Yeah, that she started point. out there too on the trading floor. Mm -hmm. She did and how yeah. much of experience that just is. So for you and making that quarter turn, why did you want to become a career coach? And what made you want to, do you want to become a coach in the first place? Yeah. So I honestly, in full transparency, I feel like I kind of fell into it at first. Right. So I knew that I was born entrepreneurial. Like I always had that entrepreneurial gene. My family is a series of entrepreneurs. I'm Italian. We had a macaroni company back in the day. It's like, you know, like, can you get any more quintessential? Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and my dad owned a construction company. So I just knew that I had that in me. And so when I was working at the New York stock exchange, 
I was pay, trying to make a really big pivot. And I moved from a finance role there to a sales position at a really teeny tiny startup called themuse.com. At the time it was very small. It was pre-series A round of funding. And so I started having a lot of people ask me, how did you make that career transition? Like, how did you do that? How did you sell yourself? You have zero sales experience. You have no, like, how are you getting called back even? Like who, how is this happening? And so I realized that I had something that people wanted. They knew I knew how to position myself. And so they wanted to learn how I did that. And so I just basically started trying it and started coaching people on the side just for fun. Um, and it kind of evolved over time where I realized, Hey, I'm actually good at this. I really like talking about this. I'm passionate about work. Why don't I turn this into a full-fledged company? And over the past five years, that's what I've done. I'm super curious too, because I, for a lot of our listeners, that's how that transition goes for them. They're yeah. usually, how I, I always think about it is that they're honestly having a lot of these conversations. So most of them are looking for a way to like formalize it. Like mm -hmm. when someone comes to them, they get X, Y, and Z and they come away with this. And then they do that for a bit. Then they go, all right, how can I then begin to monetize this and build yeah. a life around that? So for you, how did you know, or I guess first question before that is how long was that period for you? And how did you know it was time to make that leap to full-time business? Yeah. So I did that. I had a side hustle for about two years. So I was Bernie. I really don't know how I did it. Quite frankly, I'm like <laughs> looking back on that. I'm like, you were crazy and you still had a social life. How did that happen? I don't know. Oh my God. I was working a full-time job at the time. I was um, the Muse's sales trainer. And then at night I was doing these career coaching, you know, working with clients. And so I got to a point when New York was not for me, actually. It was first New York. I was like, I'm tired of New York. I need to get out of New York. Mm. I don't want to find a job, even though I'm a career coach. I don't want to find a traditional nine to five job. What a perfect time. I'm single. I don't have a lot of overhead. Nashville's cheaper than New York city. There's the state income tax is really great. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and so I said, well, I think it's now or never. And so when I moved to Nashville three years ago, I basically moved halfway across the country. I knew three people in Nashville and I launched my business full time. That sounds very similar to my story. I really? was living in Southern Ohio and for, it was different, you know, very low cost living there, but yeah. I knew four or five people when I moved to Austin. And I was like, you know what? We're just going to make it. We're going to do the leap. Yeah. And for me, it was very important just to start creating the life that I wanted to be living. Mm -hmm. And I think so many people who are starting a business or starting a coaching business is that that's kind of where more, more of the mindset is. You mentioned kind of in, in the podcast too, a little bit about kind of the tools that you use now, but when you first were getting started opening up your business, were there tools that you started using or was there any like specific, like, here's what I did the most that helped me get my first clients? Yeah. So I would say for me, I really tried to leverage LinkedIn Profinder in the beginning to get clients. Actually, that was a really, like, that's how I got clients was LinkedIn Profinder. So I'd go on Profinder, I'd find people that were looking for maybe resume and LinkedIn reviews or something along those lines. And I would get them on the phone and I might pitch them or upsell them on the phone. LinkedIn Profinder was a really big thing for me. And the other thing was I started to recognize, okay, I need to be creating content somewhere. So I need to have somewhere to house that content. And I started a blog on my website. I used Squarespace. It was really cheap. I mean, I was like very bare bones in my business in the very beginning. And that at the time was really all I needed. I just want, I needed a lot of guts, a lot of grace for myself, and then some minimal tools to help get me going. You know, I, one of the things that I'm, I found from the, from doing a, a, some research on you, but more so from the conversation we're having too, that a lot of the, the, our listeners and a lot of people that I could 
the opportunity to talk to marketing and sales is like the huge big concern. They're always like, oh my God, you know, I know how to coach people, but I have no clue on how I'm going to do marketing. I have to jump on sales conversations, all those types of things. So for you, what would you tell people or what, what are um, some advice that you give to people who are early on in their coaching business about marketing or even where to start or the biggest mistakes? Because I know that's something you've talked about too. Yeah, I would say the biggest mistake or the thing to do is not overwhelm yourself. So I can relate to this, right? Even in the stage of business that I'm in right now, as we're looking to scale to the future, I can get really bogged down by how are the Facebook ads going to work with a webinar? That's going to work with this. It's going to, you know, it's so overwhelming. And so what I have to do is I have to break it down for myself and I have to make it simple and start one thing at a time. And I know that sounds too simplistic, but sometimes mm -hmm. if you don't do that, you will never start. Mm -hmm. So what a lot of people try to do when they start their business is they're like, okay, I need to be on Instagram. I need to be on Facebook. I need to be on LinkedIn. I need to do 1500 lives every month. Like I need to show up in so many ways and like, you're going to burn out. Like I've done that. Don't do it. <laughs> it's not sustainable. <laughs> you're, that. Yep. Yeah. And you're not going to enjoy your business. I relate very much to what you said about how you wanted to change your lifestyle and you wanted to have more control of your life. For me, that was a large part. Yes. I love the work. Yes. I felt like I was using my gifts and talents, but at the same time for me, the lifestyle that I wanted, I couldn't get in a nine to five job as much as I like to keep people in nine to five jobs. <laughs> <laughs> or help them find new ones. I personally was not designed to probably be in that type of role. So for me, it was allowing myself to enjoy my business and not get bogged down by the 15,000 things you could be doing. Pick one thing, pick one social media channel and move forward. I'm really curious too, because you mentioned when starting the business too, and this is just from the research too, sure. but that very much that, you know, it wasn't necessarily becoming a coach. It was becoming a CEO. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned very much there too, that prioritization is something that is also really important. I was talking to somebody yesterday and like, you know, what makes a really good coach was the question she was asking me. I'm like, you know what, out of the many things, one of them is prioritization. You have to know what are the most important things first, but I feel that's true of also for CEOs. And I was curious for you, first of all, yeah, tell us more about that, that story, but also what are things that you're doing now? to keep that prioritization or to keep the most important things at the top? Gosh, it's hard. It is hard. I would say like, I'm definitely no expert at it. My fiance would totally tell you I'm no expert. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say for me, like the idea of becoming the CEO of my business was very... I needed to turn my brain differently. And once I got to a certain stage point, I've coached probably close to a thousand, I say over 800, but it's probably close to a thousand now. So that's a lot of people, right? And at some point, when you're doing a lot of that over and over and over again, you're like, okay, I need to really look at my business and impact and influence in a much bigger way than I am. I'm actually playing small right now. Mm -hmm. And that may sound silly to say that like 800 people, you're playing small. What do you mean? But for me and my gifts and talents, it's entrepreneurship has been a self-discovery, like long self-discovery therapy session, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and for me to be honest about the things that I'm really gifted at and the things that I'm really good at and where I should be spending my time and doubling down on those things helps with prior prioritization and help me realize, Hey, I'm actually poised to be the CEO of this business, not just the one-on-one -on -one coach at some point that will, and that's been hard for me. That's been mm -hmm. really, really hard for me to break away from that because that's all I've known for the past five years. But how I'm thinking about it in the future, as you mentioned, I'm going into a sabbatical. Yes. I'm pausing, having some time with my new hubby and like getting to move in with him and like, just relax a little bit, but it really is a pivot point for me in my business. And I'm using it like that to come back 
not only refreshed and rejuvenated with new ideas and feeling rested, but also being able to show up and serve in a better way that's going to impact more people. I think you said something that's incredibly important about playing small and like the different mindset changes from being a coach and being a CEO and a business owner. And I think yeah. those are two very different things. And I know most of our listeners know that, but one of the things that you mentioned there that I wanted to talk to you specifically about is you mentioned 800 plus clients, now a thousand at this point. And for probably most of our listeners, they're like, oh my gosh, whoa, that's, that's overwhelming. just <laughs> overwhelming, right? That's a lot of people like, I'm going to get nowhere around that. I'm just trying to get my first or the next one or 20. So I guess my question is from client, from early clients, maybe the first 50 to now, how have you changed as a coach and how have you changed as a business leader and how's your business changed from those early days from then to now? Gosh, I probably wasn't very good in the beginning, honestly, <laughs> like looking back, you know, and at the time I was working for the muse. And so they gave me an opportunity to be listed on their platform. So that was like an early win for me of how I got a, just a stream of leads because I worked a full-time job. So I really didn't want to spend a lot of time on lead generation. But as soon as I left to go full-time in my business, the muse is kind of, I don't really bring any clients on from there. It's kind of more just, um, I just, I'm on the platform now. So I would say for me, I've gotten more targeted in who I serve and how I help. So in the beginning, I was helping people with like resume and LinkedIn work. I was helping people with maybe a one-off session, doing a lot of one-offs. Mm -hmm. And over time, I realized for myself and the work that I was doing, I didn't feel comfortable leaving a client after one session because I didn't really feel like I was getting much traction for them and it wasn't fulfilling for me or for them. So over time, I really developed a program I developed a system that I find works really well for clients. For me, it's definitely moved from like the one-offs. That's how I got so many clients um, because it was kind of like a churn and burn methodology. And I realized I hated that. It wasn't fun for me. And I liked working with clients over a longer term. So I developed a program and that's really what I sell now. But it's evolved again this year, multiple times over because of Hello COVID and 2020 in general. Yeah. So. <laughs> And so interesting because it's the same thing that we are learning in our business because we run a very lean business. Yeah. We, when something's not working, and believe me, there have been things that have not worked. Mm -hmm. It's how can you be very agile and do what you mentioned before and kind of we talked about is those, those quarter turns both yeah. at, with yourself and in your business. And I think for you know, putting on both those hats, one as a coach, but one as a business leader, mm -hmm. you need to be able to recognize when things aren't working or really when you need to make those shifts, because yeah. if you don't make them, then they'll be made for you. Yeah. I even say that in the last year, so I did solely like one-on-one -on -one coaching in this long-term program. And we mm -hmm. switched to a group program this year for kind of high achieving women that were more senior level at a higher price point. And then we also offered that same system into a smaller package for, um, in a course format. And so we've, we've had different modalities to see like, what's working? What do we like doing? What's helping people actually what's effective. And even in the last year alone, I feel like for me, I really had to reckon with this idea of serving predominantly females. That was one of the hardest to I know that sounds so really? dumb. It was a very hard choice for me to put my stake in the ground and say, I'm only going to be serving women because I loved my male clients. They were awesome. I was in male dominated industries, finance and tech. Like I'm just used to being around 
the good old boys, you know, <laughs> for lack of a terrible phrase. But I'm just used to being around a lot of men. And, but I did feel that when I was working with women, I got to see true transformation in their confidence level and to actually be able to impact how they see themselves, not just the results that they get. Mm-hmm. And that for me was a turning point where I was like, okay, God, I think we're, I think we're doing it. I'm not happy about it, but I think that that's where I can provide the most service. And I do think that's true. That's, I think it's so interesting because for a lot of our listeners, when you have to, we, as coaches, we want to help everybody. And that yes. is- It's a helping profession, people. right? That's why we kind of get into it. We love helping people. Yeah. And it also goes to the burnout point too, right? Mm-hmm. We want to help people so much that I know I struggle with this all the time and putting my own boundaries and not, you know, so answering texts or emails and like all those types of things. I just want to help so much. But I think it's interesting. You have to pick one group of people that you really want to help and speak directly to them. Because if you're not, you're speaking to everybody or you're not serving people in the best way that that you can. Where Mm -hmm. something I I mentioned on this podcast all the time, that coaching is such a trust and results business. They have to be able to trust you to share all the information, Mm -hmm. to know I can trust you to then like trust a very big part of, of their career, their lives to you. But they're also coming to you for results because we're not necessarily promising that they're going to get X results, but we're going to promise we're putting on the road to results or whatever right. that might be. And I think it's be able to talk to those people, but know as yourself and as a business of the direction that you are wanting to go. For sure. And even to what you said too about with any coaches that are listening, it's a very emotional process. Mm-hmm. And that especially, and so you're talking about boundaries too. Like I know for myself, I have to create boundaries because I can internalize a lot of the emotions of that. I'm basically changing jobs five times over in a day. You know what I mean? If I'm not careful, (laughs) like I'm going through all that stress that they are going through, which is one of the reasons why I'm taking a sabbatical to kind of take a break from that. But it's, you know, sometimes I'm a therapist. I'm not a coach. I'm a therapist sometimes. (laughs) Not intentionally. I'm not licensed any of those things, but sometimes it's, you just have to listen to what's going on and be a sounding board for that individual and then coach them through it. So kind of shifting gears a little bit, it's been one of my new favorite questions to, to ask. For you in, in becoming a coach and starting your own business, what would you say are, were some of the biggest challenges? Or you know, another way to put that is, what were the sacrifices that you've had to make in becoming a coach and opening up your own business? That's a really great question. I would say the biggest thing I had to sacrifice was my pride, honestly. And I, what I mean by that is, and I'm sure there's other things that I'm not thinking of that comes to mind, but that was the first thing that I thought of was I was used to being an overachiever. And sometimes you don't achieve well in business. Sometimes you have a down month in your sales. Sometimes a client doesn't get the job and sometimes you're not going to be perfect. And so when I mentioned earlier that it's this big self-exploratory thing that you're going through as an entrepreneur, I think my biggest hurdle has been me and my biggest success factor has been me, like in my business, in the sense of how I am trying to shift that mindset, like you talked about before and just really show up at But I would say my biggest obstacle is probably pride or anything that would like keep me from putting myself out there. Cause I was worried what people were going to think, or mm-hmm. I was worried that I would flop, or I was worried that no one would buy the thing that I was trying to produce. Like all of those fears, those would be the biggest challenges more so than like finances or any of those things I would say, mm-hmm. which sounds crazy to people who maybe aren't on the beginning stages of it. Cause you're like finances, finances. But if you work on the mindset, the rest of it will start to work itself out. I firmly believe that. And when you say work on the mindset, mm-hmm. we're talking about, I always think about it as the fear gremlins, as Brene Brown puts yeah. it. That when you say work in the mindset, what do you mean? Or what were the biggest mindset pieces you know, for you that, or ones that you see in people becoming coaches that they have to overcome? I'm not any good. Mm. That narrative, imposter syndrome, right? 
Yep. I see it with my ladies all the time. Another one that often happens is no one's going to buy this. If I raise my prices, no one will purchase it. And anything around value or, I mean, especially with nine to fivers, I had in my brain probably for a long time that no one will buy a high ticket item mm -hmm. and they won't buy it. They don't like career coaching. Like, and that was a limiting belief I had. So I would say a lot of those fears, but also the limiting beliefs of what I thought was possible. And anytime I tried to press into that limiting belief that I had, I always got around to the other side and proved it wrong. Basically, mm -hmm. if I leaned into it now, if I ignored it, it would be come a self-fulfilling prophecy basically. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> You so I don't know if you relate to that. Oh, I a hundred percent relate to that. When I was starting out, one of the biggest things, you know, cause we talked about we're in the same age group or the same age. And yeah. I, for me, I thought who's going to buy a, who's going to buy career coaching from a guy in his twenties. I remember I said this on the podcast before is I remember telling my sister that I was starting a career coaching business. And the first thing she said to me was, Philip, don't you have to have a career before you start career coaching other people? <laughs> oh my, I was devastated, Jenna. I was like, <gasps> she's kind of right. Oh my God, what am I, what am I going to say? It just messed with me for like two weeks. But I knew that really at the end of the day, this is what I wanted to do. These are the things that I wanted to talk about. And like I mentioned a little bit before in our conversation is this is the life that I wanted to be built be building. Mm -hmm. And so many of the things I see with new coaches, it really comes around to that. But one of the other biggest things too, and I see this more from people who are transitioning from their nine to fives, specifically like HR, social work, that type of stuff, is the fact of calling themselves a coach. That's just this huge hurdle and bump of, all right, like most of the work that we've ever had before, somebody else has given us a title. But right. now you are the person who is going out on your own, creating your business. You are now putting yourself as the coach and you are, for some people, they think of themselves as I am the product, I'm the service, I'm everything. And once they put the stamp on calling themselves a coach, they just take off the armor and they make themselves super vulnerable. And totally. I get that. Process. Yeah. Mine actually, I didn't struggle with calling myself a coach. I'm having a harder time saying when somebody asks me what I do. I'm saying I'm a career coach because that's what comes out typically. Now, as I'm transitioning to this more CEO role and mm -hmm. calling myself, I own a career resources company that serves mid to senior level women. I'm like, oh, can I say that? Is that weird? <laughs> you know, so I relate yeah. to that in a different way in this next stage of my business. It's so interesting too, when you talk to people, because for a lot of people, and especially now, and right before we hit the record button, we were talking about, you know, specifically like people right now where it's just, there's a lot of fear and anxiety during mm -hmm. this COVID time. And I know for me, when I'm talking to people and telling them what I do, they're often like, oh, okay, you must be really busy or they are just gonna, huh, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> or sometimes when people are also making this transition, especially now, there's a lot of like naysayers who go, I don't know if that will work or, hey, mm -hmm. you've got a really cushy job. I don't know why you yeah. think you're about going out on your own. And so I find that's also true for a lot of people who are making the transition, but more so putting themselves out there. And that's going to be a very big thing. Yeah. I remember when I, I was on the corner in New York city and my mom knew I was moving to Nashville and I called her on the phone. She goes, don't tell me you're going to do this business thing. I mean, I'm making her sound much nastier than she's now. She's like, don't tell me you're going to do this business thing full time. I told your grandmother, I said, actually, mom, I am. And I talked to my dad later and he's like, good for you, but I won't tell your mom that. <laughs> And I think it's well-meaning when people do that. Here's what I tell some clients, because I'll have some clients that will start working with me and they don't want a nine to five job. They want to be an entrepreneur. They're too yep. scared to. And mm -hmm. so we have this conversation around that. 
And I've had a lot of clients who have turned into coaches or not necessarily career coaches, but they've opened their own business. They're consultants. It's awesome. It's so fun to watch. But I think that they really struggle with that idea of, can I call myself that? Just kind of similar to what you were talking about. Yeah. I think one of the things that I, I picked up from the research too, I, I kind of stalked you and listened to your podcast and all that kind of stuff for all of our <laughs> listeners who are, who are like, you seem to know a lot about her. Anyways, one of the things that I love so much about your idea, and this is why I tell people all the time, is that if you're looking to create something great in the world, you don't do it alone. Often mm-hmm. you have the help and support of others. And I, I remember one thing that you mentioned is that you know, community is such a big thing and having people who are around you to kind of like, especially when things get hard or who are doing a lot of the work that you are already doing, that that's incredibly important. So I don't know if you can speak to that at all. Yeah, man. When I've worked with some career coaches and doing some business coaching for them, that's one of the number things, number one things that they struggle with when they start to go full-time, especially it's like, I just feel so lonely doing this. Cause I feel like I don't have a lot of people in my wheelhouse, you know, that know what this is like. And so when I moved to Nashville, because I only knew like three people and um, the one person I knew, she was a trainer, um, like a physical trainer. And I said, I'm going to start this thing. It's called the breakfast club. And we're going to meet every Friday at a different breakfast spot around Nashville. Cause I want, I want to try them all. And two, I want to meet new people. So you bring a friend who's also an entrepreneur and then you just have that ripple effect. And that's how I made honestly my first like 10 friends in Nashville <laughs> was through that. And because I did know how important community is. And some of those people are some of my best friends now, like they're going to be at my wedding, you know, and the entrepreneur life can be really lonely if you don't have people that know what you're going through. And so like I have my web designer, she's amazing. Her name's Elizabeth McCravey. If you want a template, she does great website templates, but she's my sounding board. Like she's my person that I go to, to like talk through, Hey, I'm dealing with this client thing. How would you handle it in your business? Mm -hmm. So even though we're, she's a web designer and I'm a coach, we can still have those great conversations around how would we approach a problem? And then also having connections with other career coaches is something that I've actually done more of. I feel like in the past year, year and a half to really, Hey, let's talk about that. How did you deal with that? How did you deal with that? Um, it just makes it feel like I'm not out here on an Island by myself. So, (laughs) so much and completely 120 million percent agree because what I have found doing this podcast and connecting with amazing people like yourself is that this community is actually incredibly supportive. It's competitive. And we also want to make sure we're all best serving our people. But at the same time, it's incredibly supportive and super helpful because we've all been through this journey and we all understand. And part of the intention for our listeners listening to this podcast, but really be able to help with that learning curve that a lot of people are going and this change and how the world's changing is how can we honestly help you feel like you're not alone in this whole process? Because there's a lot of things that can throw you off and there's a lot of micro decisions along the way that throw a lot of especially new coaches off. Like, what do I do? I put my website on Squarespace or Wix? Yeah. Or what do I name my business? That's or... not a priority you need to care about. Exactly. <laughs> do you have a great product? Do you have great service? Is your offer in line with what your ideal customer wants? That's what you need when you're starting a business. Could you say that one more time? Because I yeah. think it's incredibly important. So if you yeah. aren't taking notes at this time, listener, you need to be taking notes for this. So what were the three most yeah. important things? For I, you don't need like a big, huge, fancy website and you don't need all these things. What you really need is you need a really great product. You need a really great results associated to that product. And you need a really great offer. Like the offer needs to land for your ideal client. I think that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned bringing behind the scenes of running your business. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you spend, when I was doing the research a little bit about four different time buckets that you have. 
mm-hmm. in running your business from writing content to mm-hmm. having a team, which I want to get into too, yeah. but also doing coaching too. I, w- I was wondering if you could bring us a little bit into that world of what does your day-to-day time look like in those four buckets? Yeah. So I batch my days basically. So my Mondays and my Fridays are like content generation days. So I'm a person who cannot switch between different things. So I do writing content. So physically writing, I do recording. So I have a podcast or if I'm doing video stuff or stuff for um, like a course I'm releasing, um, then I do coaching and then I'm managing the team admin or like, you know, finances, the typical things that you need with a business. And so for me, those Mondays and Fridays are really, really sacred for me because that's when I get a lot of my like deep thinking and deep work in that's going to show up on LinkedIn or it's going to show up in a podcast episode. And so I really get really strategic about when I'm doing certain things because before it was like, yeah, I have a client on a Monday and on a Friday and on a Wednesday. And it was just too overwhelming for me. (laughs) I didn't feel like I had much focus or much direction and having those buckets helps me really prioritize and figure out what's, what do I need to be working on today? Cause that can feel really overwhelming if you're starting a business and even if you're doing a side hustle, you're like, what do I do with my time? I don't really know. So having a plan helps. One of the things that I was super excited to bring you on mm-hmm. to this podcast for so much of our listeners of what I think it takes so much to run a successful career business or career coaching business now is that strategic level of thinking, right? We talked mm-hmm. about the switching from a coach to a business leader, but so much of having those boundaries and time of batching your time, but allowing yourself to like have those strategic thinking moments and be able to think further ahead. And I think from our conversation here, but just following you, that that's something that you do incredibly well. And it's something that is, in my opinion, is especially what creates a successful business now where you're able to not only, you know, build the life that you want and take the sabbaticals and take the breaks and all those kinds of things, but then a team along there too. And, you know, for our listeners, that might be in the goals of creating a business where you can have, bring people onto the team and things like that, but also investing back into the business. So I'm curious. So first of all, thank you for saying all those things. And thank you. That's quite a compliment. So I appreciate that. <laughs> I, it's, it's incredibly important because it's something that you don't see in very many coaches. You know, we can have great coaches, but they might not always be great business leaders. And those are Yeah, that is a big difference. And I, and I think that was something I saw when I went full time mm-hmm. is I noticed that there are a lot of career, and I asked a career coach, like when I, she'd been in business for 15 years and I had a conversation, I know exactly where I was in, in Franklin, Tennessee. And I remember calling her on the phone and asking her for any words of wisdom. And she said, you'll never make a full-time living doing coaching. And I was like, oh crap, because I just quit my job. Like I, I'm not there. I'm yeah, I moved. I, moved. I, I got to figure this out. So, and I think it's what is funny now is because I became a student of how to run a business. Because the thing what people don't realize is you can't be a great coach unless you coach people. And so you need to get clients in the door in order to coach people to get better at your craft. And so I did not get good at my craft and coaching people and understanding people and having discernment and having wisdom and seeing what was working for people without getting more people in the door. (laughs) So I think there's a lot of fear around that of like, I don't want to coach somebody until I feel totally ready. Well, you won't be totally ready because you need experience to be ready like anything in life. So I think that's a really important piece of the puzzle as well. I often talk about mic drop moments on this podcast. We've already done some more. I haven't called them out, but that's, well, I had you repeat one of them. So definitely a mindset piece is starting before you feel ready. And I think Mm -hmm. almost in every single case in a coaching business, you will always start before you feel ready. 
whether you're launching a new course yeah. or a product or doing some new sales kind of initiative, or even with, with clients, like you might probably feel ready with some of them, but there might be other times when it's totally not. And I was curious for you too, because you have a team mm. and wanting to bring on a team. And when, when did that feel right for you? Or when did you know it was the right time in bringing on a team? And did you feel ready? <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. So I started my business and I never wanted a team. I was like, that sounds terrible. I don't want to be responsible for people. My dad had employees. It was very stressful. Now, granted, he was in construction, so it's a totally different ball game. But I was like, I don't want employees. I never want employees. I don't want to build a business like that. I just want to do my coaching thing. And then I want to like chill and just travel wherever. Like that's what I thought life was going to be. Newsflash, that's not really my personality. I'm an achiever and I'm always going to be trying to achieve the next thing. So I was never going to be content just doing that. It was about a year and a half ago that I started toying with the idea of bringing someone to help me with marketing. I was just so overwhelmed by the amount of content I felt like I had to produce. I wasn't emailing my list. I just felt overwhelmed by how much I had to run the business and coach at the same time. I was stretched too thin. Mm. And so I brought somebody on the first time I brought someone on, it didn't work out, which was totally fine. It was a great learning lesson. And she was doing some marketing work and I was probably paying her a little bit too much. And it just wasn't a good fit. I needed her for more hours. And so it just wasn't working. And then I hired Sarah at the end of August or mid-August, actually almost, she's been working for me for almost a year now on a part-time basis. And I was like, I don't know what I need you for, but I just need help with marketing and communications. And she mm -hmm. had worked in communications at a nonprofit and had done some, we were just very aligned. And so she was really my first serious hire that I brought on and she, her hours kind of grew as time went on as well. Something that, same thing from knowing the research too, is that we talked about before we hit the record button about being cash flow queen. And you, and when I was listening to that, to the one podcast episode about really what it looks like in running your business is yeah. the importance of investing into the business itself. I mm -hmm. think so much of this is we want to, for a lot of people in becoming new business leaders and entrepreneurs, and same thing, I also come from an entrepreneurial background and my family are entrepreneurs and running their business, but so much of it requires investing back into the thing that you're looking to build too. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is in hiring employees or hiring people who can join the cause. But I think so much of it too is what are, the, what are you doing now to best serve your clients and the people you haven't even earned the opportunity to serve yet? Mm -hmm. And so I know that's something that you were incredibly proud of being a cash flow queen, but also just something that I took away is, and something I don't hear too often is investing back into the business. Oh, so, yes. Yeah. And I was curious for you what that, what that looks like and what you could share for our listeners. Yeah. I think it's scary to reinvest back in your business. Cause you're like, Oh crap. Now I got to spend money. Like, <laughs> like what? No, I hope I was just hoping to take home money. Right. <laughs> but I think the reason why I've seen so much growth is I invested back in myself and I invested back in the business. So what that means for me is I invested in a lot of coaching programs. So I think it's really I'm going to say dumb when there are coaches who do not have coaches. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> and so it is important as a business owner, as a business coach or a, sorry, career coach to find a business coach to help you. That's what you make your money doing. You should invest that back in yourself. It just makes common sense. So that's one thing that I did is I invested in a lot of different programs that helped me learn the things that I did not know. So that's the first piece. And then I started investing in like systems to make it better. So for me, I saw a lot of career coaches when I started that, that did have bad websites for way too long <laughs> and they didn't really pay attention to their brand. So for me, I invested big time in my website. 
I invested big time in making sure that the systems were all working together and that it looked professional. I wanted it not to just look like a lot of online businesses I had seen. I wanted it to feel like a real business, a real place where people felt like they were taken care of from the beginning to the end of working with me. So that's how I reinvested back. And then obviously hiring people so that I could show up better on my coaching calls and not be worried about like, when is that email getting sent out? Or what did we post on LinkedIn? I forget. Like, I, can, you know, so that's, I'm just, I need somebody to help me with that in order to better serve the people that are showing up. So for me, it makes total sense to do that. I think something so much that I'm taking away from the conversation with you is that very much, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call it starting before you feel ready, but there's almost like putting on the hat of becoming a business owner. And even though you might not feel ready for it, even though somebody might tell you, Mm -hmm. you will not make a full-time living here, Mm -hmm. even though that you've seen a lot of other websites out there that aren't exactly like, yeah, really not great websites. More of it is, is what will you do to make this work? Even if you have to fail sometimes, even if you have to making sure you're just getting those consistent results from working with a hundred, now a thousand clients, but more so is essentially you're putting yourself out there. You're doing the work and it's, what are you going to do to make this work and building the business that you want? And I think just hearing you share the story of moving to a completely new place and seeing what everybody else is doing and hearing what everybody else is saying to you yeah. and kind of not accepting that is incredibly inspiring, but also just shows that and I think that you've had in becoming an awesome CEO first and a coach. Thank you. Yeah. It's been a journey and I'm certainly still growing and trying to learn what that is. But I think it's kind of like we tell people to dress for the job that you want. Mm -hmm. So I need think you need to think for the, for the person you want to be. So this is something I do with my clients that go through my recruit the employer program. The first thing I do is we don't talk about the resume. We don't talk about, you know, LinkedIn or strategies or anything like that. I want to talk about their mindset and are they thinking about themselves as that, that future self, basically, Mm -hmm. are they envisioning themselves in that role with that capabilities? Because if you're not doing that stuff first, it's never going to get there. And so for me, like I'm already thinking about myself as a New York times bestseller. I don't know if I'll actually get it. No big deal if it doesn't, but I am thinking about myself and acting, trying to put those actions towards what would a New York times bestseller do? How would they talk? How would they act? What would they be producing and really be strategic about that? So that may sound crazy to some people, but I think for me, it's what's helped me. Um, I had a document of like all the people that I wanted to be like associated with or know or get to know or that I admired, that mostly just who I admired. Uh-huh. And I, I had like people like, do you know who Dave Ramsey is? He lives in Portland, Franklin. Okay. Yeah, you, get, so you can Dave, be like his next door neighbor. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, literally. Um, Dave Ramsey, there was a guy who was an author, Jeff Goins. I've met like uh-huh. five people on my list, Dave Ramsey and Jeff Goins have been two of them. But I feel like I was able to do that. It was almost like I was putting it out there that that's what, who I wanted to be. And that's who I wanted to, you know, run in circles with. That's who I wanted to be associated with. And even more so on the Dave Ramsey thing, people ask me like, what do you do? Or what do you want to be? And I was like, I want to be the Dave Ramsey of careers. I want to be America's trusted voice on careers. That's who I am. Like I'm acting that now for that future self. So there was a Amanda Cuddy's book presence. And she, if, if mm. our listeners aren't familiar with Amanda Cuddy, she popularized a lot of the um, uh, power poses and she has a wonderful Ted talk, but the best advice I heard, it's very similar. Reminds me of it is, you know, fake it till you become it of exactly who is this person that you're looking to become? And are there people also who are doing the same exact thing around there Mm -hmm. too? I have the same type of thing. I'm going to give a TED talk one day and I just think of myself 
on that like red carpet, I'm for all the listeners, I'm like literally closing my eyes and I'm like pretending I'm on the stage right now. And I've got like the whole TED screen behind me. And for myself, it's like, all right, what does a TED speaker do? How do they get to that stage? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I also have this weird uh, goal for myself. of I want to be one of those people who they bring up on like documentaries. They go, uh, Philip Bianco, the career expert. Then I yes. come on there for like five that. seconds and I go, <laughs> blah, 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 something smart, something smart. And then yeah. I go away. Like that's I love that. Because <laughs> that person in my mind is a subject matter expert, but they really know their stuff. Yeah. And I think for everybody who, who's going into this, it's really who's the person that you want to be in adopting that identity. Mm-hmm. Until you kind of know those things, then it dictates so much of the mindset pieces of how you spend your time. Mm-hmm. And just adopting that mindset, I think, isn't, isn't easy, of course, but it helps take a lot of those decisions out of how would I react to this or how would I operate? And instead, right. what, is, what is this person who I want to become? What would they do here? Yeah. I think it's helped me make better decisions too Hmm. and decisions for my future. And for, you know, now I'm getting married, a future family. Like I, those are things I think about when I started my business, I was 25 years old, which is crazy thinking back on that. And I was thinking that I want to have an opportunity for me. It was important that when I have children one day, I mean, my Brent, my fiance was nowhere in the picture, like nowhere close. I was like, when I have kids one day, I want the opportunity to have a lifestyle that lets me be around those children and still work because that was important to me. Both were important. So I started creating that business in 25 for the spot that I'm in now. And I'm so grateful to my past 25 year old self for doing that because we're now set up in a spot where we'll be able to do that. That's the second of all, I, I think of that too. I had the same mindset where I was thinking about who are the people who are the best in the spaces that mm-hmm. they operate. And most of them have been practicing. Like you go, Hey, we're bringing out Jenna. She has been working on careers for 40 years. And then, they, and then I go, okay, wait, that person's like, I don't know, 40 or 60 or however they're long. So that means they started when they were like that age. And I'm like, oh, okay. So that means they started early on, but they yeah. started practicing and honing their craft and deciding, like we said, maybe they, they it didn't come like that. It's like, they're like, okay, I'm going to decide to be this person. Mm-hmm. But there's probably some decision in there of here's the life that I want to be building now, mm-hmm. five years from now, 10 years mm-hmm. from now. And I think so much of our jobs as coaches is being you know, not necessarily being certain of that, but we're, we're bringing people in, we're working with specific clients and helping them achieve that. Mm-hmm. And if we don't know that ourselves, then it's kind yeah. of hard to, to figure that out for other people. Yeah. I would even say if you're like a coach that's on the verge where you're like, maybe I should do it. Maybe I shouldn't do it. Think of it like time value of money to use like mm-hmm. a financial term. Like the sooner you invest money, the more that's going to accrue interest over time. So like the earlier you start, the better it is for you and your savings, right? And your retirement. The same thing holds true in your business. The earlier you start, the more that you put in early on, the better it's going to be. And I'm now seeing the true fruits of that early on labor of those first five years of grinding it out. Now we're still going to be grinding it out. We're still going to be doing, you know, I'm not quitting or something. <laughs> My fiance is like, don't get so used to this, like, like sabbatical life. <laughs> like, sabbatical forever, right? <laughs> yeah. But there are certain things that have gotten a lot easier. Like generating clients for me has gotten a lot easier since when I first started. And that just comes with time. And there's no way to quick circuit that. Like you can't do that faster. You have to put the work in, keep consistent and be resilient and you'll find success. So one of my last questions for you, and it kind of ties everything up on a bow too, but you know, if you were to go back to when you first started this business, the years and months ago, starting Clean Slate, what would you have 
done or said or did when becoming a coach and starting your own business? I would say two things. Get into group coaching faster, meaning like have a group coaching program faster because the results in the community for those people, like I never thought that that was going to be a sellable product. I wish I would have done it sooner because quite frankly, I'm not the star of the show. The clients are, and it's great. I love it. Um, So that would be the first thing is don't be scared of a group coaching program and facilitating that. And then I would say the second thing is I would tell myself to keep that spark and that boldness alive because I was so bold. I mean, I literally, the reason why I met that author, Jeff Goins, was because I saw on his Instagram that he was at a book signing down the street and I just left my apartment that didn't even have a couch in it yet. And I went down and bought his book and I stood in front of him and was like, I'm a big fan of yours. <laughs> just, I had no fear. I think as I got into business and then the longer that I was in business, I lost a little bit of that boldness. Mm. And part of this, I think it's just time and maybe getting frustrated or beat down or, or you, you become more calculated versus like, I want a little bit more of that early stage boldness still throughout. And so this sabbatical is really to help me think like bigger again. Um, so I, I would tell myself like, don't lose it. <laughs> it's I'm, your like biggest secret sauce. <laughs> yeah. That first of all, thank you. That as you use that word bold, I now know that feeling that I'm feeling from the conversation and hopefully our listeners are having yeah. Here today is is one thing that I can take away from that strategic level that I was saying for you, but also that same level of boldness. Mm. People don't do that as often anymore. I did the same thing with Scott when I first met him. I was like, hey, I don't know you or you don't know me, but I know you. And I just introduced myself over to him. But it's the same type of boldness that I think is is gonna get you those results. Mm -hmm. But more so is (laughs) you're gonna test out if you really want to be be in it or not. And yeah, I don't know. I I feel like life is too short not to do those types of things. And I feel like having a coaching business or really wanting to inspire our clients to start living the life that they want to live and be the types of people they want to be Mm -hmm. is we have to be examples of that boldness for those people. So first of all, thank you for coming on and sharing that with me today, but also sharing that with our listeners. Well, thanks for having me. I mean, that was, it's true. So (laughs) I, and I, Thank you so much for just all of the work that you do and helping people in their careers, but also helping other coaches become coaches too. So my question, or you know, one of my last questions to you are, is um, how, how can people find you, but also how can people get in touch with you? Yeah. So I'd say the two best places right now to find me, I am on sabbatical. I don't know when this is airing, but I may not be as responsive for a little bit, but uh, LinkedIn is the best place. Um, Jenna Viviano, just find me there. I'm pretty active. Um, and I'm usually pretty active in my DMs as well. Um, so just DM me and tell me that you heard me on this podcast. And then I also have a podcast. It's called Your Career Story. And we're going to be producing um, actually some more content on the uh, business side of things, which we really haven't done. We've just kind of started tipping our toes in there. And so, yeah, those are the two best places to get in touch. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jenna, for coming on the podcast today. Again, I very, very much appreciate it. And I think our listeners will get a lot of great value too. So thank you for everybody listening and we'll see you on the next episode. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. For more information, check out becomeacareercoach.com where you can find information on this podcast, our programs, books, and endless content on, well, how to become a career coach. Also, don't be shy. If you have any questions or kind words, we'd love to hear from you. And you can reach me directly at philip 
at happentoyourcareer.com. And that's Philip with two L's. So thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.